ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Alongside Hunter Brody here in the Matt Black Kia Studios. Two days after the Eagles get a shocking win in many ways. Uh, also, Sixers play tonight. Sixers, we get to see the debut of them. You can hear it all right here with Tom McGinnis. He's the best in Philadelphia, in my opinion. Here on 97.3 ESPN. I mean, me, McGinnis is the cream of the crop. No one does it better than Tom. I'm not just saying that because he's on our station. It's pretty impressive to do it solo the way that he does it. I don't know what's more impressive, the fact he does it solo or the fact he does the running commentary in between the play calls at times. Like, it's all it's all one great package. Tom McGinnis is like a great Marvel movie. He's that great blend of serious and entertainment and funny at times. I just get a head nod from you. Thanks. I, I can support that the, logic. The audience can't see you head nodding. I'm head nodding. <laughs> I'm not a big Marvel guy, so you have more knowledge in that area, but I'll take your word for it. Well, we got a busy show coming up today at 3 o'clock. Jeff Nadu, big man on campus, big man on basketball podcast. Get a little bit in the NBA, college basketball, a little college football with him. Jason Blevins from 97.3 ESPN.com. He'll be at the game tonight. Covering it for 97.3 ESPN. He'll be joining us at 3.30. Andrew Ducheco, 97.3 ESPN.com, Eagles writer, Inside the Birds podcast. Which one is coming up for football for John Clayton, the professor. You know, Mike Gill is allowing me to sit in for him 100% today. I mean, I got... Does he I'm, normally let you do it 92% or... Well, I mean, you know, I mean, he's basically entrusting me with everybody today. Well, I mean, we all... They do, Clayton. We know you can do it. Oh, no one's like no one's do questioning it. how great you I, are. I'm just saying I appreciate Mike's trusting me. Okay, with all of this stuff. That's all. I like to acknowledge people. It's good work out of you. Well, I've been I've been called worse this so, week. So, so what do we acknowledge? And it's only Tuesday. What do we acknowledge first? <laughs> do we acknowledge the Philadelphia Eagles debacle? Do we acknowledge what's going on tonight at seven thirty? Well, I think we got to acknowledge first the Eagles news that came out earlier. Jack Driscoll. Yeah, it's a big blow. 97.3 ESPN.com has the full report, but Mike Garofalo first came out with it from NFL Network. That stinks. I mean, first, I said yesterday on game night, Roddy McLeod goes down, he's done for the year. That's a low blow. Now it feels like you're being kicked while you're down, right? You're still recovering from the, you know, the UFC's been over here, the groin shot, you know what I mean? You get the shot to the groin, right? You get the five, sec five minutes to recover. You come back, you get another groin shot. Right after that. Now the referee's the, deducting a point from the opponent. Doesn't matter, but you've been groin shotted twice already. And I feel like that's what happened with Driscoll here. It's just like McLeod, now Driscoll. It's like, you know, we had some good vibes here, Hunter. And now it's like, up, oh, forget all your happiness. Take this. And it sucks because when you look at the two tackles, I thought they played a very strong game. Maialata has been cruising under the radar with just successful games Back to back to back. He just constantly plays well on that left side, and it's going unnoticed. And I thought Jack Driscoll did a, did a hell of a job as well. And, 
you just think about the future. Everyone's talking about this offensive line. Gil and I go back and forth. What would they take in the first round? What type of positions would they look at? An offensive line falls on the list because you talk about a, a Brandon Brooks who is getting hurt in back-to-back seasons, significant injuries. Lane Johnson getting up in his career. We know Jason Peters is cooked. Jason Kelsey, every single offseason, we have the conversation of, is he going to retire? Is he going to come back? We don't know. So looking at these two younger linemen playing well, that was a positive for this football team, and, and it sucks to see Jack Driscoll now having to watch the next four weeks. Yeah, and I thought Driscoll, Driscoll, in my opinion, played better than Lane Johnson did this year. Yeah, because Lane's been battling that ankle for pretty it, much the it start just of the season. It felt like Lane's never been healthy, so it's inhibited his play the entire year. I mean, Driscoll held up against two of the best defensive fronts the Eagles have faced this year. He had to play Cam Jordan. He had to play fill-in-the-blank Washington defensive lineman who lined up against him. And he held up in both cases. And I think that you can make an argument that we have spent a lot of time, arguably too much time, on the hurts when stuff. You could argue that you might have your tackles of the future right now with Maialata and Driscoll. So what do you do with Dillard and Johnson? Well, I think you make Dillard come in and compete for that job. Now, what I, if he loses the job? Do you have a first-round draft pick sitting on the bench? Do you try and trade him? Because there's teams looking for linemen all over the place. You can uh, you sell. Would trade him. You could sell that, hey, look, we have a first-round draft pick who's sitting on our bench right now. Right, and you also make the argument that, hey, guess what? Uh, the guy that's starting, we drafted him two years earlier. It's not like they picked him off the scrap heap. You know what I mean? Like They legitimately targeted this guy in the draft. Remember, there are a lot of people critical of, why did you take this guy in the draft? You could have gotten him undrafted free agent, blah, blah, blah. The Eagles said, no, we see something in this guy. And the same thing with Driscoll. People are like, did they really have to draft Driscoll that high? I never question their draft picks with linemen. Just because we can rip them for corner, we can rip them for wide receiver, linemen. They figure it out 90% of the time with these guys. Well, I think that you might have your future right now. I really do. I don't know 100% what's going on after Kelsey leaves. Who would you slide into that center position, Isaac Sayamalu? So here's my working theory, and I'm going to go completely off the uh, off the radar. I would just go find a veteran. I would just go find some veteran out there who, whenever Kelsey retires, whether it's two years from now or whenever, and just be like, because I feel like Sam Molly, if you just keep him at left guard, Brandon Brooks is eventually going to come back, right? And he'll, he's got a couple years under his contract. And you have Nate Herbig as kind of like the backup for both guard spots. I would just say, whenever Kelsey retires, be like, go find a veteran. Because instead of having to move guys all the time, why can't you just find somebody to slide in there? I think that's fair. Can Nate Herbig play some center, though? I know that was a topic at one point. I don't know if he's ready for that, but... It is something to throw out there. Here's the thing. Herbig and Sayamalu both played a little center in college. Now, Sayamalu more than Herbig. So they have the experience. I just feel like I'm I'm starting to get frustrated for these guys, seeing them moving around so much. After we were told for years, the Eagles don't want to move guys around. Like We heard that forever. They don't want to move people. And now all of a sudden, they're moving people. And it's like... Wow, talk about mixed messages. Well, is it because they have to? They're being forced to? This guy's out. That guy's out. This guy's getting hurt. The other guy's getting hurt. And now they got to try and patch it up with a Band-Aid. So I don't think they want to do this. I don't think they want to move guys around left and right. Matt Pryor playing this position. Now he's playing guard. Now he's playing tackle. I think you're forced to do this. And and unfortunately, that's the position that they're in. 
609-403-0973 the playsugarhouse.com text board along with Hunter Birdie I'm Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill here on a Tuesday edition of the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESP Give Tuesday we forgot to mention Tuesday with Thompson coming up at 5 o'clock as well I think PT will have an opinion or two about Philadelphia sports. Do you think PT watched this Ravens-Browns game last night? Because that was unreal. I think PT went to bed early. You think so? Yeah. I would wake up and see all the highlights and be so pissed off with myself if I didn't watch that game. That was tremendous. That's got to be the game of the year, right? Oh, no doubt about it. In the conversation, I don't have any that stick out to me to that degree. That was fun. Lamar Jackson going, going to the bathroom, coming back out. That was the speculation, of course. Well, so... It's funny because everyone's got a different story with that. So apparently it was initially supposedly cramps that they went and hydrated him in the back, right? But then the other theory is he had to go to the bathroom. And I always wonder about that because now I don't know how it was for you, but when I played sports, I made sure I got my business all done before game time, okay? Now, I'm talking about a high school athlete over here. I wasn't a professional athlete with all the accoutrements here. But when I played sports in high school... The idea was, in my, my short stint of community college baseball, which didn't go very well, I made had made a thing, look, get all my business done before the game, so while I'm in the game, I'm in the game. I'm with you. I always had the personal experience when I was playing. My adrenaline is kicking so much that I don't have to go. In between periods, yeah, you know what? You go to the bathroom or whatever when the Zamboni's cutting the ice. But by really halftime right, of a right. game, it's different. In terms of I'm on the bench, I know I have four shifts left in the period. Do I have to go? No. At that point, I'm so involved and focused in the game. My adrenaline's kicking. Right. I don't feel that way. But in football, if you're hanging out on the sidelines, you're not as invested all the time. Like if you're a quarterback and you're defense is out on the field, you're kicking around for, what, a couple minutes, depending on how long the drive right. is, but you could possibly be standing around for such a long amount of time that maybe it does happen. I don't know. It just feels odd because I feel like you would have taken care of your business at halftime. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, the human body, something else. So are you oh. believing the cramps or are you believing the bathroom Oh, theory? I'm believing the cramps. Yeah, I am too. I because think that this is typical social media having some fun. Yeah, because if you notice that first throw he had, he looked a little awkward. Like, he didn't really plant very well to make that throw to Hollywood Brown, but he made it with it was basically all arm. I was hoping throw. Trace McSorley came in and finished the job off. Well, he tried to, and yeah. then he ripped up his knee, and apparently now they got to go find a new quarterback because RG3 is on the IR and McSorley might be done for the year. The Ravens are down to Lamar Jackson and... Who who did they say was the emergency backup on the I broadcast? I forget. They were talking about At one point, they didn't know. They're like, who would even come in right now? They had to figure it out. But, uh, hey, the Ravens needed one, and they got one. They needed that win. Well, I was kind of hoping they might say Des Bryant, but then I remember Des Bryant was on you know the COVID list, right? Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. Like, he I was not know. happy about that. that oh, he's that still not week. happy about it because, according to him, he had a positive, then two two negatives and another positive then three other negatives and he's freaking out saying they're giving him a false positive not let him on the football field especially out, Dallas you're playing Dallas come on I mean he, he's putting out conspiracy theories that you know nobody wants him on the field anymore you know that's why they use the COVID against him which I don't know if I believe that yeah I wouldn't go to that extreme but, <laughs> but let's rope this around back to the Eagles we got sidetracked because the highlights of this game is all over the well, place it was an incredible game I, I mean, know it was oh, wait, how did you feel with the Baker Mayfield slide into the end zone I didn't mind it I thought it was fun. You know what I realized yesterday watching the broadcast, listening to the broadcast? I don't mind this. See, the Monday Night Football in the past, it was abysmal. It was brutal. This is growing on me so much where I was about three quarters in before I realized, huh, the broadcast did not stand out to me as, 
horrendous. Right. And that's a huge sign for Monday Night Football. Three quarters in, I went, huh, not once did I have to point out the broadcast flaws. I think Lewis Riddick does a great job. He's I, incredible. I can work around Steve Levy if they went in another direction. I wouldn't cry about it. But overall, I think the broadcast is growing on me. I, I think the Monday Night Broadcast has proved to be an incredible improvement over the Tessitor, Booger McFarlane, uh, Jason Witten, whatever that was. You didn't like the Booger Mobile. I hated the Booger Mobile. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. Put the dude in the broadcast booth. I would like a Josh Mobile. I would like there to be no gimmicks on my football game on television. I want to be able to watch the game and consume the game without your stupid gimmicks on my television. And then you got to go to the, bo- the Boogermobile 20 times instead of going to the halftime show where you're going to have the, the release of a tra- Marvel trailer. I don't care about Booger for the 200th time. Give me my trailer for my movie. Come on. You are movies, man. You're anticipating that, huh? All right, listen. I'm a serious movies man. Listen, now that now that the, everybody's got themselves situated, you know they've got a lot of production now with movies recently because of COVID. Because a lot of these theater companies are like, they're going places and nobody's there. Nobody's allowed out of their house to these locations. Or they're getting special permissions. So, like, they're getting done production like a, a breakneck speed right now. Yeah, but isn't it kind of awkward to not have the casual background people? Like, and uh, what do they call them? The, you know, people in the... The, in the extras. The, yeah, the extras. Well, you hire them. Right, but if you're talking about, let's say you're in the, in the middle of a city, six extras or ten extras or twenty extras, that still looks weird because you're in, let's say, the middle of Philadelphia. you got to have 500, 600, 700 people well, walking around. five people in the city. They do that sometimes. Oh, okay. I'm not big into the how they operate from a movie behind-the-scenes well, standpoint. I only know this because I know a couple of people who have been involved in this. I, I went to high school with a guy who's been a producer out in California, and I know another guy who is an extra and does small acting roles and stuff like that. You don't know Brad Pitt? No. Okay, I didn't know if you were friends with some of the top dogs. Shia LaBeouf, hanging out with those on the weekend. I don't know. I don't know what you do on your off time. I feel pretty confident to say that your Rolodex of famous people is much larger than mine. All right. I'm just seeing what sticks. Okay. That's what I do here. Anyways, I was told that a lot of times what they do is if you see a lot of people in a movie who are extras... They just like put out like a blast in that area and be like anybody within this region, if you want to be part of this, show up and we'll decide if we're going to pick you or not. Huh. And then they just grab a bunch of people from the area. So like if you're in New York, for example, the city might be on lockdown, but the movie theater has special permissions between maybe 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. the film, right? So they can go get anybody in the city they want. And whatever the protocol is, you know, maybe you got to take like a temperature check or you got to get a COVID test five days before. I don't know what the whole yeah, yeah. 100%. But well, yeah, no knock on anyone who decides to do that, but I'd rather watch some Sixers preseason basketball. You excited about the Sixers preseason? I am, Josh. I'm like actually excited. And I think the Eagles and Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz, this whole drama has weighed so heavily on me that I need something new. It's I funny need something fresh. It's funny you say that because how many times have we heard in the Anytime Hotline calls there's that random guy every week, at least once, one caller a week says, can Sixers season start like every single week? So yeah, I'm with I, I feel you. I, I totally hear where you're coming from with that. I think also with the Sixers, you have to be interested to see what's going to happen, right? It's There's a lot of questions about what are we going to see? 
What does this really look like? But just uh, it, it's funny that we're so excited because you are right. There is so much to look at when it comes to Doc Rivers, the pick and roll with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid specifically, the spacing on the floor. But to be this excited for a game tonight, and, and it's because it's the first one, we're not going to get that much information. And that's what I'm trying to say is why are we so excited tonight when we know the starters will probably play 20 minutes. It's going to be this casual up and down. It's not going to be anything that we can dive heavily into. But, but I think maybe it's just it's something fresh we gotta move on from the same thing and that was something we all kind of talked about before the NFL season started if the Eagles were not good knowing that the Sixers were going to be backed up knowing that the Flyers were going to be backed up we would go through a fall without anything seriously to talk about now we didn't know it would be this miserable to the point where it was non-stop arguing all day long but we did question, what happens if this Eagles team is not involved? And we didn't think that that would happen. Yeah, okay, really? They wouldn't be involved? Real funny. Well, reality hit, and that was the case. And it just it gave us four or five months of miserable, miserable, miserable vibes. Yeah, and I think that you, know, you had brought this up before, Hunter, about the fact that you know usually this time of year, you got the Flyers, you got the Sixers in action, right? But because of COVID, because of all the postponements and delays, You've had this huge gap of time in a part of the season when you have basketball and hockey, no basketball and hockey. And it feels awkward, especially when you have college basketball game get postponed because of COVID. They're moving this football game. I mean, they've changed the Rutgers game time again for this week. The Rutgers game is supposed to be at 4 this Friday. Now it's going to be at 730. Oh, they moved that again. They moved it again. Oh, wow. That's unbelievable. All these games. I don't even know what to do with college football at this point, personally. It's hard for me to get involved when this is happening. Who's, right. play, who's playing the Pac-12 game? Will you let me know? Apparently, it's USC, Oregon for now. What was it supposed to be? Washington. See, I don't like that. That bothers me, See, and that's it ruins the one my I hate. experience. That's the one I hate. I'm, I've been pretty okay with the majority of stuff they've done this year. If a team can't play in the championship game, it's done. So you think it's a forfeit? I sh- it should be a forfeit. I don't know if I'd like that either, though. I don't like either of those or, or options. Or rule or no contest. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, but then you're almost... Oh, you're, you're not really hurting the team that gets the automatic win, but it feels faulty. Listen, if you want USC to play somebody this weekend, that's fine. But if Oregon somehow wins the game, they shouldn't be Pac-12 champion. Now, that I agree with. Now, is that fair to do? Hey, USC, if you win, congrats. If you lose, Oregon, you get nothing. Well, they do it in the UFC. If you miss weight and it's a championship fight and the other guy makes weight, if he wins, he wins the belt. If the other guy wins, belt vacant. Now, that's fair. It's a good point by you. You make those time to time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a UFC's man, remember? You're right, and I hate to admit this, Josh. I know we're bouncing all around, but I did not get an opportunity to watch this latest part. Oh. I know, and I saw everyone tweet. Figueredo so, versus Moreno. Thing. I have the I have an I have a notepad sitting at home with things to do. On that list, I will send a picture, and I, I swear to God I won't write it. I will send it. It says make sure you watch that card. So I'm going to make sure that I watch because I saw all the action live. Everyone on Twitter saying this card was fantastic. Sadly, Saturday night, I wasn't able to get to it. But it is on my things to do, my to-do list to watch it. So, yeah, now I'm really disappointed in myself as such a big UFC fan as I am. Yeah, Figueredo Moreno was nuts. Yeah? How about the whole card? Because I saw the whole card was pretty entertaining. From Twitter, I'm just basing it off of reactions. So the prelims were fire. They had some amazing prelim fights. The first couple fights of the main card, 
I could have lived without them. Okay, so maybe I was reading some prelim stuff as the night was going because on. Because th- there were a couple fights on the like, for example, Tisha Torres just dominated in her first match in the prelims, and it's like everyone's saying it's a, it's a return to Cub Swanson after his win at the top of the prelim. There were some pretty nice fights there, but then the main card it was it was all right. Like it wasn't like anything like you write home about kind of thing, but. Then you turn around and you get to Ferguson Oliveira. Like, all right, here we go. And as you know, you've seen from Twitter, Oliveira dominated him. And I'm just like, Okay, so from, from your point of view, the only one that is really, hey, you got to watch this is the final fight. Yeah. Okay. That might be the fight of the year. Wow. And I missed it. I've been sitting through all these UFC events every weekend. And the one that I've missed, seriously, I haven't missed many since I started this new mindset that I'm in. I missed the best one. Well, you're, you're watching too much college basketball. And not only that, I'm going back and I'm watching all sorts of old uh, old events still. Josh, well, I were, can't get over it. Well, you were supposed to do that during the lockdown. You weren't supposed to be doing that now. I know, and I'm still doing it now. That's how much of the impact <laughs> I'm missing with these fans. But, hey, basketball back, that'll change it. As these sports start to kick off, Flyers. I couldn't believe Gil yesterday saying he, he's, he can live without the Flyers and the orange and the black. Josh, that hurt my soul. I almost feel like Gil just said that to bother you. Oh, I know he did. Oh, I could see it in his eyes. I don't think he really meant that. Maybe he did, though. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't feel like Gil is like a... From my experience knowing Mike over the years, I don't feel like he's a hockey hater. No, he's definitely not. Like, we, we've we met dudes who are the hockey yeah. hater guy. The so guy he was poking like, the bear. I think he was poking the bear. All right, I'll give it back to him. That's all. Yeah, That's yeah. what I have to do. Well, there's Twitter for that. Yeah, you're right. 609-403-0973 on theplaysugarhouse.com. Text board 609-403-0973. He's Hunter Brody. I'm Josh Henning filling for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. So to come in the 3 o'clock hour, Jeff Nadu, big man on campus, Barstool Sports, and the big man on basketball podcast. Also, Jason Blevins, 97.3 ESPN.com. Sixers writer. He'll be covering the game tonight for us at 7.30. Sixers take on the Celtics. Preseason action here on 97.3 ESPN. Speaking of that game tonight, Am I the only person who's observed the Sixers have less preseason games than other teams? They have two, correct? They have two. I haven't really paid attention to what other squads are playing. I feel like almost everybody else has three. Well, I feel like they've been playing games for a handful of days. It's so weird. that They started on Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, so how come it took so long for the Sixers to get their first game in? There's probably some logistical reason that we don't know about, like, you know, COVID this or protocol that or whatever. I wonder what it's going to be like from a reporter standpoint. Of course, like you said, we'll have Jay Blevins on. We we can get his perspective on, you know, what he's going to feel out tonight. Well, did you see the picture? Yeah, I did. To be in that empty arena, especially for a lot of these guys who've been doing it for so long, that's got to be such a weird well, those experience. Those tables spread out, too. You see that? I did. Now, Rachel Nichols put on her Instagram over the weekend because she was at the Lakers game over the weekend. And she talked about, she said, he goes, the good news is we're not behind glass anymore. She says, the bad news is I still feel like I'm far away. She says, but the good news is my angle is good. I was going to say that because when I went, I went for a limit. I picked up around game 50 or so last season, game 40, game 50. I started going to the games for 97-3. And, uh... You sit behind the basket, underneath the basket on the one Horrible. side. Yeah, it's tough to see on the other side of the court. Now they're in that 100 level where they're right in the middle of the right. action, so they they get the half court pretty much. Right, that's changes where, it up. Right, and I think that's where at least for for the media's perspective, at least you got that going for you. Like at least you have a, a good angle on the game. One of the things I noticed from people who were covering down the bubble, from the different people that you know you and Mike talked to or I talked to over the summer and into the fall. They all kind of gave you 
They didn't want to complain because we're all just happy there's basketball. But there's a part of them that would say, well, you know, because of the protocol, they only let us go here and there, and we can only see this or that. So there were a lot of constrictions on their movement in the bubble. Whereas it feels like now that we're out of the bubble, they're given a little bit more leeway again. Maybe not like crazy amount of leeway because you can't go in the locker room, for example. But at least they're not constricted in this like little place so far away from everything. It's interesting you bring up the locker room. I feel, even when things do get back to normal, I wonder if that part of journalism is just going to be washed out of sports. Because, just like a lot of businesses, they're utilizing Zoom in a different way. Now, for the long term, they realize, hold on a second, maybe we can do some things virtually. And I'm not saying sports journalism is going to go Zoom only. It will go back to in-person, no doubt about it. But, I just wonder if they realize something with this locker room thing that maybe it just never gets back to the same. And I think that would really hurt the type of information that we can grab from these beat reporters. That would be damaging, I feel, to the consumer, to the fans, to others who are reading this this media coverage of the team. Well, first of all, the Zoom is going to go away as soon as possible. I agree with that. For because, sports, sports related. Yeah, because you know why? I feel like every coach who's talked about it hates it. And you can't, even reporters, you can't follow up. Not the same way that you could in person. Right, and it's awkward when they do. Because you're cutting somebody else off. Right. Or you're cutting yourself off almost. Like you're almost like, oh, like you're stumbling over yourself. I've noticed some of the coaches in all the sports be like, I can't wait till we don't have to do this anymore. This is ridiculous. Like it frustrates them. How do you feel about the locker room part of things, though? Now, the locker room thing, I think we will eventually get back there, but I feel like that'll be the last thing. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have people in the packed in the building before we have people back in the locker room. Oh, no doubt about it. Like, we're going to have, like, let's say the NBA Finals. Like, when is it? The end of June this year, I think it is, or early July? Yeah, I think it's pushed back even later than June. Yeah. It's, 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 the NBA Finals is supposed to end X number of weeks before the Olympics start. I don't remember what number of weeks that is, but I think it's like three or four weeks. I guess it's the beginning of July. I think we're more likely to see a packed arena in June. Then we are going to see reporters in the locker room by the end of the NBA season. I just hate that because you lose so much. We talked to Scott Grayson. We talked to all these guys that cover the Eagles. You get a different feel when you're in that locker room of what's going on after all these situations during the practice week. You're you reading get, the body yes. language. You're observing. Like You know how many times we've gotten news reports from people because they were in the locker room that happened to see somebody with a cast on their foot or see somebody limping around in the locker room? Absolutely. And and look, when you look at a big picture, of course, this is better than having no sports at all. But I do feel like we are going to get stuck in this environment where this is normal and you just lose so much of what you can gather information wise when you're one of these media members covering the team. And then that hurts, you know, the fans who want to read it and everybody else who's trying to consume that info. I think it's going to become key what the players say, because do the players get tired of being called out of the locker room? to these meeting pressers. I would imagine that they prefer them not being in the locker room than them being in the locker room. I think the players are the ones who have to be the last to sign off on it because I know for some players, they're like, I'd rather have the guy come in the locker room, talk to me while I'm doing my thing after the game, than me have to get dressed, go into a presser, talk to people, sit down. You know, And some guys, they don't care. They're just like, wow, oh, Give me my privacy, get my business done, and then I'll go talk to you. So I feel like it's going to come down to the players having to kind of force that along. 
It'll be interesting to see how it all shapes up, though. He's on our Brody. I'm Josh Hennig, filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN, being brought to you by Matt Blackie and Matt Blackie. They want to get you approved today. That's Matt Blackie on the Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township, 609-403-0973. The PlaySugarHouse.com, text board 609-403-0973 here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN alongside Hunter Birdie at Bros81 on Twitter and at Josh Hennig on Twitter. 609-403-0973, theplacesugarhouse.com. Text will also get some more, some more anytime hotline calls. Try to squeeze them in throughout the show. we got a busy show still to come. Got a lot of basketball in the 3 o'clock hour. Jeff Nadu. Big Man on Basketball Podcast, Barstool Sports, Big Man on Campus. Also, Jason Blevins, 973ESPN.com, Sixers writer. We got a great Sixers group, by the way. Do we not? I mean, Paul Hudrick, Kevin McCormick, Jason Blevins, all the content on the website, and don't forget the 973ESPN mobile app. Free content there. You can get it all season long. Can't wait. Can't wait to, I mean, I've been reading their stuff to this point, getting me all juiced up for it. And now that there's actual games to break down, it's going to be unbelievable. Is it bad that I read the Blevins piece about Mike Scott and I got excited about Mike Scott again? No, I don't. I, I brought that up to Paul Hudrick the other day when we had him on. What is Mike Scott's role going to be? This is a veteran player. What are you going to be able to do with this guy? So, no, I don't think that that's crazy at all. I think that he possibly can be a difference maker coming off the bench. One of my favorite things from the the season ramping up, right, is when Danny Green said, my role is more important in the locker room than it is on the court. That got me juiced. Uh, is it bad that half of me thinks, like, what are you trying to say? You're not going to be able to produce on the court? No, I feel like he's just saying that my role is to be a leader on this team more so than to be a scorer. Yeah. Well, I mean, there has been a decline in his game at this point. Let's be realistic. You know, he's not shoot. He's not the same. He struggled, no doubt about it, towards the end with the Lakers there. So, yeah, I mean, he's on the back nine, without a doubt. So, he him acknowledging that and saying like, I got to be a leader to these young guys. I'm I'm stoked about it. Don't get me wrong, but I almost looked at it as well. You better still make those buckets too. I think he'll make the buckets when he needed to. So. I know people try to complain about Danny Green. Oh, he doesn't show up in the playoffs. But he actually does. Because if you go back through his playoff performances in San Antonio, in Toronto, in the Lakers, it's not like he was like, oh, for every game. No, he had a tough stretch at one point last season that sticks out to everybody. Where I mean, when he finally made one, the announcers were going, oh, finally. I mean, it was ugly for a little bit. But he's a veteran player. He's a shooter. What type of shooter is in streaky? Right, and he was a key player in the Raptors run. There were a lot of big shots he hit. And he hit some big shots for the Lakers, too, in that Western Conference Final, too. So I think that the idea that he's, you know, oh, he can't do it. Stop. Just shoot or shoot, like you said. And at some point, just let the guy go out there and do his thing. And you know what? Doc Rivers keeps saying, I want to have the number one defense in the league, right? Well, if he's serious about that, Danny Green's the guy you want coming off the bench. Because he can guard almost anybody else coming off the bench in the league. Now, you mentioned coming off the bench. What do you think this starting rotation is going to look like? Because the way I envision it, it might have been Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. 
So I think it's Embiid, Simmons, Tobias Harris. And then I'm not sure who the other two are. I, I would like to see Seth Curry out there, but I'm not 100% sold that he's the one out there. He might be one of those guys that technically, I think he will start, to be honest with you, but if he doesn't, he's one of those guys that logs starter minutes, right. but doesn't technically get the start. Start and lineup, right. Yeah. And I think that, I wouldn't be surprised if Doc doesn't do with this team, what he did a few years ago with the Clippers, where almost every day it's a different starting lineup. Like, you have your core guys, but then the other guys around them are sw- swapping around. Right, maybe it's a Matisse Thibel. But once again, he would be a guy who gets the start, but maybe he doesn't give you the starter minutes. Yeah, so see, that's the guy I want to see getting the starting minutes. Because I think that Matisse can take a lot of pressure off the other guys defensively. I think he's got to add more shooting to his game. He's got to, uh, hopefully he came in this year with a little bit more in the repertoire, if you will, that's what's holding him back. If he develops, and I know statistically it wasn't that bad, but it was extremely streaky. you got to be able to be more consistent with it. If he can add that to what he brings defensively, that is what you need. I don't know if he's there yet, but I, but I like the trajectory that he could possibly be in. Yeah, if, he, if his offensive game is not up to speed enough, then yes, maybe you put Green in the lineup instead of him. And then what would your bench look like? What's Tyrese Maxey's role going to be? Well, he's a six-man, in yeah. my opinion. Well, Shake, I, no, Shake Milton. I, Doc Rivers has been pretty vocal on the well, whole— Well, the Shake start. Well, that's a great question. So then one of Seth or Danny Green would not start. Is that what you're saying? Right. I do believe—I'm just basing this off of hearing Doc Rivers speak. I think what you're going to see, and this is just a guess, is Ben, Seth, Danny Green, Tobias, Joel Embiid— Shake Milton being your sixth man off the bench. That's what I think you're at least going to see from the start. And then from there, you make some moves. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the vibe I'm reading. He might just experiment in the preseason with lineups. Oh, definitely. Preseason, for sure, you'll see some experimenting. Yeah, maybe maybe the lineup you see to open the first half tonight is not the same lineup you see in the second half. Right. And, and look, here's another thing. So we mentioned those guys. What's left? I want to see what's left after those. So after Shake, you would have Matisse. You would have Mike Scott. Maxi. Then you would have Mike Scott, uh, Dwight Howard. He's the primary back. Yeah, center. right. This isn't in order in terms of like minutes or anything. I'm just listing some guys. For Con Corkmoss, you know that he was mentioned a couple times by uh by the head coach. He definitely has a role. Yeah, I don't know regular what that role season is, role. But I don't. He has a role. He does. I think he'll have a role. So that's another five guys to fit in. It's crazy the depth of this team. But Doc Doc's famous for that. That's one of the things Doc did, whether it was in Orlando or Boston or, or with the Clippers. He's one of those guys who gets every ounce out of his bench, for better or worse. He got criticized sometimes in Boston for using the bench too much, remember. Well, that's, that's funny you bring that up. You would have the same problem with Brett Brown. Why are you using this guy? Why are you using that guy? Well, a lot of coaches do that. It's funny. You've been hearing Doc say, I'm just going to let them go play. Well, hold on a second. Everyone crushed Brett Brown for saying that. Now Doc Rivers says it, and it's a different mentality. Well, people perceive Doc differently. Yeah. Doc's an NBA champion. He is. To be fair, he is. Doc but played in the league. Don't I, you know? I just can't stand that. You're, you're going you know Doc similar. played in the league, right, bro? Uh, oh, I know that. And I'm not trying to... I think Doc Rivers <laughs> is a better coach than Brett Brown. I don't think anybody's denying that. But you despised that mentality as a team. And Doc's almost saying... Ben, go facilitate. Go make plays. Do what you do. Well, that's what Brett Brown did, too. You know, I, this is going to be more structured. Don't get me wrong. But I just find it funny. It is funny. And we'll talk more with Jay Blevins about it coming up at 3.30 today. 609-403-0973. Sex board. Want to hear some anytime hotline calls? Sure, why not? 
What is the Anytime Hotline number again? Uh, 856. I almost gave out my actual phone number. Wow. 856-442-9805. It's, oh, it's open 24-7. You can leave your message whenever you please. Just remember that if you leave a Phillies call... When we're asking for Eagles calls, you will not get on. That is correct. Did that happen when I sent you yes. a bunch of them? Phillies, huh? And the guy was making no sense. Ah. So it was kind of a shame. That is disappointing. I don't get why it takes the planets aligning in December for Doug Peterson to grow a brain. So if anyone wants to explain to me why this coach couldn't do this against the Giants, Browns, and Seahawks and Packers, that would be great. So you're going to hear from all the Carson Wentz haters, oh, Jalen Hurts was the main reason we won. Nah, no, he wasn't. I like how the kid looks, but Jim Schwartz needs to get some credit on changing up these defensive schemes all the time. And I don't understand why he gets so much hate either, but Carson Wentz better get his together because he's going to get his job taken by this kid because I see some Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. Schwartz. Schwartz, that's your guy. That is my guy. I'm such a Schwartzman. It's so funny. Everybody hates him. Although, I do sense that over the next four games, you're going to hear a lot of fire Jim Schwartz when he's working with Houston and Seymour back there in the secondary, which is unfortunate. Yeah, so two couple things there. One, I like the fact that I agree with you. He gave Schwartz some credit. I, I wish more people would give the guy credit because people forget that in the Browns game, the defense gave up 19, uh, 13 points. The offense was responsible for the other nine because of the interception and the safety. So, theoretically, if they don't have the interception and safety, the Eagles could have won that game. Yeah, definitely. The defense has been holding the team. Look, they're, they're flawed. They're not perfect. But the defense has been holding the team they're in it. They're trying really hard. They, they're, I mean, not only are they trying hard, but they legitimately are keeping the team in it for as long as possible. And, and if... The defense gets, let's say, two or three stops in the fourth quarter, and then let's say the fourth attempt, the other team scores. You can't rip Schwartz. You've got three opportunities to do something with it. You run out of chances at some point, and that's what happened against the Browns specifically. You know, you get some stops, and then, oh, well, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they go off. Well, at some point, you're still flawed, so you won't stop them forever. Your offense needs to get going. How do you feel about these comparisons between Hurts and Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick that's been going on here? Obviously, when you see 100-plus yards from your quarterback, you, you tie it in with someone who does that consistently. I don't see it the same exact way, but yeah, I mean, a, a mobile quarterback that can do a lot with his legs, I just don't know how you can do it long-term. So here's my thing. The one thing that's overlooked in all this is, while Hurts is a phenomenal athlete like these two other guys, he has one huge difference. The dude is built like a monster. Michael Vick was a lean machine. Lamar Jackson's a little thicker than Michael Vick. He's a little bigger. He's a little taller, too, by the way. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts, the way his body is structured, he's not a quarterback physically. Like, if you saw him in the weight room, you're thinking he's like a linebacker or something. I mean, the dude is squatting like over 600 pounds. Saw that video. He's deadlifting like 400-some pounds. I mean, the dude's a physical monster, okay? So, to me... If you're going to have a mobile quarterback, I'd rather he be built like Jalen Hurts than Michael Vick. I would agree with you. No doubt about it. I just think when you watch, first off, Doug Peterson, right? When you're winning, he'll run the football. When you're losing, he will absolutely get away from it. And I just wonder, what if you go down? What if you're down 14 nothing? What if you're down 10 nothing? 
can this work? You see in Baltimore, they're having troubles when they're from behind. It, it's hard for them to come back. There's a the huge game. difference, though, because Lamar came from an offense at Louisville that basically just said, Lamar, go out there and win us games. Jalen Hurts went at Oklahoma, walked into a system, okay? A system that made Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, right? So he was walking into a system that said, we run an offense here. Whereas Lamar was told, well, we have an offense, but it's all on you, Lamar. Yeah, but when you talk about the NFL level, are you saying that Baltimore goes with the same philosophy of, hey, Lamar, go do it? They're not really a, a system? A while little Doug bit. Peterson has more of a system. That's the way that you're going with this? I noticed that Greg Roman at times asks Lamar to do a little more than personally I would ask him to right, do. Right, just go make a play. Right. Sometimes on third down, Lamar is out there basically... Option one, option two is gone. I go make a play. Whereas Doug Peterson's offense has option one, option two, option three, option four. Then you might have to run. Yeah, although Hurts, and look, it was his first start. You're going to see times where after option one and two, he's just going to jet out of there. And that's because he's a rookie. Yeah, definitely. And it might even be the right play because we talk about a lack of weapons. There is a problem with separation at times, and if you're waiting for option four, and it, and that was the difference between Carson Wentz sitting in the pocket trying to wait for everyone to get open, Jalen Hurts has the ability to go run for 25 yards, and that's the difference in how it flowed. Let's get one more call on here. The Eagles are actually worth watching again. The biggest stories about this game were obviously Jalen Hurts, who I thought had a really good game both running and throwing. Uh, he had that awful fumble, which almost made the Saints come back and win the game. But other than that, I thought he was really good and provided so much spark and life to the team. And Jim Schwartz, who brought the game plan, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but holding that team to 21 points and coming out with a big win against one of the best teams in the league, it's it's big. And quite frankly, I think that Prince Harry should go back to England to start a soccer career because Jalen Hurts is the starter going forward. Wow, already going with it, moving forward. See, the problem with that I have, and I'm not just going to overlook that Jim Schwartz love, by the way. Phenomenal, love it, back-to-back, -back. super thrilled about it as a Schwartzman. It's four games. How much stock can you put into four games? Now, of course, you would rather see him play well than play horrible, but how much stock? If you watched 2017 Carson Wentz for four games, you know what you'd say? Wow, wow, and you would never think this would happen. So how how much can you you know really put into this? I think there's a lot of variables, but I think there's so much of it that's in Wentz's head. I was asking Emery Hunt about this last night, and he said himself, he's like, look, the talent is there. He says the problem is is that he Emery told me last night. He says it's on Wentz. It's not on the Eagles coaching staff. I thought that was pretty pertinent of him to say because when he was basically telling you, and remember Emery played college football, you know, so he knows the game at the collegiate level as well. And he said, look, he said, it's on the player to figure this out. It's not always on the coaches to fix the player. So if that's maybe a perception from a former player saying that about Carson Wentz, you kind of have to wonder what's going on in that building and maybe they're looking at him as well and say, well, if Carson doesn't want to figure this out, we have to give the other guy an opportunity. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's, it's, re it's a really weird situation to be in. And every time I go back to it, I just think, they did this to themselves, and maybe they did this to themselves, and it works out for them, and it's a benefit. If if Carson Wentz was going to stink and you didn't have a backup plan, well, then you're, you're really screwed, but, you know, I don't know if that would have been the case. Is Carson Wentz that mentally weak? I'm at the point now where I'm questioning, you know, when Doug Peterson says after the game, I don't know who my starter is, this is a team win, yada, 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 are we at the point where Carson Wentz is 
that weak mentally where you watch a quarterback win a game and you need to make sure you Walk tip, eggshells. tiptoe around? I mean, if it's to that point, you have a serious, serious issue. He's Hunter Brody. I'm Josh Henning filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Being brought to you by Recovery Centers of America Drug and Alcohol Addiction Treatment Centers located in Maysland, New Jersey, and Devon, PA. Still to come, we'll get more on the Eagles football for Andrew Checo inside the Birds podcast. John Clayton, NFL Insider, joins us as well at 4.30 here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN-FM. And don't forget the free 97.3 ESPN mobile app. It's right there for you on your Apple Android, whatever device you got, thanks to First Bank of Seattle City. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. We're the OJs. We are teaming up with AARP New York City to offer a free online couch concert on December 17th. So tune in from your home and sing along to some of your favorite songs and ours. We'll also be chatting about outdated beliefs and aging. And how we can continue to grow and learn. Let's hit that text board before we hit the next hour. Of course, Jeff Nadeau, big man on campus, Barstool Sports, big man on basketball podcast at 3. Jason Blevins at 3.30, talk 76ers. Check out his latest article about Mike Scott over at 97.3 ESPN.com. 609-403-0973 on the text board. Uh, Dan from EHT, who's a loyal texter to the station. Great texter. But, Dan, I think bros and I both agree you're way off on this one. He says... This Schwartz thing is ridiculous. His defense gave up 600 yards in the biggest game in Eagles history. If the Eagles would have lost that Super Bowl, he would have been fired an hour later. It's so ridiculous to me that people can't appreciate what happened. Because of the Super Bowl, which, yes, Tom Brady, the greatest ever to do it, shredded his defense, and Nick Foles was stellar. But without that defense in 2017... You were going nowhere. People forget about the Vikings game because it was so explosive offensively. How many points did that team score? The Vikings. Barely any. And a huge pick six was the difference in that game to totally spark it the other way. Fewest in rushing yards allowed. Fourth in yards per game. Third fewest rushing touchdowns allowed. I mean, come on. They were stellar in 2017. He should be fired, really? Don't forget Schwartz this year. The defense is top five in quarterback hurries, quarterback hits, and sacks this year in the NFL. Top five. Yeah, and with a limited crew. Now, he's not perfect. Let's be clear. But yeah, We're not saying he's the best of all time. No, but the hate towards him is outrageous. Do me a favor. The next person who wants to criticize Schwartz, whether it's Danny, H.T. or anybody, please text in at 609-403-0973. If you can give me 10 defensive coaches who are better in the NFL than Jim Schwartz, fire away. 609-403-0973. I know Danny H.T. is not afraid, but I know some of you Schwartz haters are a little scurred. you selling wolf tickets out there, bro. Jeff Nadu, Barstool Sports, next. 
It's Sixers basketball tonight on 97.3 ESPN with the voice of the 76ers, Tom McGinnis, calling all the exciting play-by-play action. Milton from Wavy on the earth for three. It's gone. Shake Milton puts it in. A triple right in his face. Philadelphia 76ers basketball on your radio home of the Sixers in South Jersey. 97.3 ESPN. The Sixers open the preseason against the Boston Celtics. Coverage begins at 7.30. We're the OJs. We are teaming up with AARP New York City to offer a free online couch concert on December 17th. So tune in from your home and sing along to some of your favorite songs and ours. We'll also be chatting about outdated beliefs.